Shalom, brothers and sisters. Shalom. Happy shalom. Sabbath. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat. We want to say all praises be to the Most High, Ahaya, for waking us up, giving us another day, another Sabbath to be together. So today we have a we have a detailed lesson called this lesson. This particular lesson will be called "Hustlers, Street Hustlers in the Pulpit." That's what we're going to call this. <laughs> Today we're going to put some of these pastors on trial mm-hmm. because pastors have culpability uh, concerning what have transpired in our communities in regards to morality. They have facilitated evil. The evil emanating out of our community starts with the church, starts with the church. So we're going to expose these pastors for manipulating the Bible in such an egregious manner. Pastors, shepherds are supposed to be role models. That's who they're supposed to be. But they're not conducting themselves in a manner that would be pleasing to the Most High. The Bible is no longer being taught. The true gospel, the doctrine of Christ is no longer being taught. Why? Because what are they teaching? They're teaching what you would call the prosperity gospel. That's what they're teaching. So when I say prosperity, that is the the ideology that you should be rich. And if you're not rich and you're not wealthy, then you're not blessed because God wants you to be rich. So sow a seed. Give us your tithes. Give us your offering. Because if you need deliverance, you got to pay for that. You have to sow a seed. This is what they teach in a lot of these mega churches. The televangelists, the oral robbers in the 40s started. You know, you had Kenneth Copeland. You had Joel Osteen, Creflo Dollar. These brothers all teach the prosperity doctrine or the prosperity gospel. And we did a little research. We're going to give you a couple key points of what the prosperity gospel uh, resembles. Uh, The prosperity gospel is the doctrine that emphasizes the importance of personal empowerment. See, so a lot of these pastors don't go into scripture. They're just power speakers. That's what they're doing. They're just there to make you feel good. So, you know, prosperity pastors teach that financial blessings and physical well-being are what you are to receive if God loves you or you're blessed. So they use what? What do they use? Faith, positive speech and donations. So if you donate to a religious cause, that's your blessing because you're donating. What's donating? Tithes and offering. So they will have you. This is what they teach. If you need a blessing, don't sow your time. Sow a seed, money. And we're here to tell you that what can God do with your money? Where can he spend your money? Tell me right now, anybody. Where is God going to spend your money? Are we saying you shouldn't pay tithe? No, we're not saying that. If you feel like that's something you want to do to help a church, but not don't pay tithes to a thief. Right. That's the thing. Open up that Bible, Pastor, and go into some prophecies for me. Tell us who we are. Tell us anything. <laughs> Tell us anything. What they do is one of their um, one of their tools is they will re- they will recruit wealthy donors, and through you paying right on your times, you put your name. They keep track of who you are. The most wealthy donors what. They get invitations to ministries, to Bible retreats. So you have like an inside access with them. And this is what they do. This is what they do. And we we have a clip of Creflo Dollar. We're going to play you this 60-second clip so you can have an understanding. 
so we can set the stage for the lesson. We're going to play this for you. If you take time to tithe the tithe correctly, it's impossible to go to hell. Because you're doing all of that, man, tithing will keep you in heaven. It'll keep you in the presence of God. We know that the tithe uh, is the agreement. We know the tithe, according to this, we're believing right now that the tithe is the covenant. I'm telling you that your tithe is your covenant connector. I'm telling you that all the promises that God ever gave you, you cannot get them without being connected to them with the tithe. I'm telling you the only way you're going to get hooked up to healing is through the tithe. I'm telling you the only way you're going to get hooked up to prosperity, deliverance, or any promise in the Word of God is through the tithe. So, brothers and sisters, we wanted to show you just a little background, a little insight to what's being taught in these churches. This is what's transpiring. That particular man is one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest, pastor in America. Creflo Dollar. Creflo Dollar. Create a flow of dollars. That's his name. Or that's what he says his name is. Do your research on this brother. This brother last year asked his congregation for $60 million what? so he can have a personal plane. $60 million. It was all over the news. It was all over the news. And this is what they are looking at the Christian church as. It's, it's, it's fortune telling. It's soothsaying now. I see somebody in here is going to be out on the streets. We all about to be out on the streets. Do you see the economy? Somebody in here needs a thousand dollars. This is what they're doing. Do you see? I see a car in your future, sister. Sister, I see a, a brand new job in your future. This is what it has become. We're going to go to Job nine and twenty four. Job nine verse twenty four. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covered the faces of the judges thereof. If not, where and who is he? So the earth is given into the hand of the wicked. That means Satan is controlling this world. He's controlling this earth. And you can tell by the behavior that's emanating from this very existence. Not only does Satan have control over the world, but if he has control over the world, then he's in a lot of these churches. Or a lot of beliefs or religions that you would think is the way to God would be controlled through Satan. Because why? He's a deceiver. Most people are not going to serve Satan on purpose. They must be tricked. That's the only way. And he, he doesn't care if you know what you're doing or not as long as you do it. So we're going to put these pastors on trial to see. Can we screen them through the Bible to see if what they're doing is lawful? Let's go to 1 John 4 and 1. New Testament, brothers and sisters. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. 1 John 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Read that again, brother. Verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are good there are of God. See, so you must try every spirit. I can't accept that you are a man of God because you have a Bible in your hand. Or you know a scripture or a sister, a daughter of, of the Most High. Because you say you believe in Jesus. We must try every spirit. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 1. Beloved, 
Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are going out into the world. Many false prophets. And those false prophets, a, a big majority, especially in these mega churches, are dealing with the prosperity doctrine. Which is your blessing is, can, is, will be brought on by sowing of a seed, which is a dollar amount. You do that and God will deliver you. See? And anybody who's been to some of these new age churches, these young hip churches where laws aren't cool, this is what they're teaching. This is exactly what they're teaching. The prosperity doctrine. God is not with you if you don't have finances. You're not blessed. Why am I not blessed? Because you're not paying your tithes. <laughs> Pay your tithes and you're going to be blessed. See? This is what's going on, brothers and sisters, and it hurts. Because our people are struggling and don't have a dime to their name. And yet they're still giving up everything they have. Mm -hmm. Because they're being tricked. By the time you leave the church on Sunday, they have picked you up by your ankles, shooken every cent out of you. <laughs> your pockets are inside out now. You got rabbit ears now. <laughs> this is what happens. So we have to try every spirit to see with the most high or would Christ say, listen... I need to have $60 million for a plane. Or I need you to put 25000 in my bank account. Then I'll come to your venue and teach. Would Christ do that? Mm -hmm. Let's see. Read that one more time, brother. Mm -hmm. Verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are going out into the world. Right, see? So it's not just about love and just love your neighbor. and That's, that's fine. But what else? I can't just hear that lesson every day. I can't. I need to learn. I need to grow because there's a lot of good people in the church. But if you are not teaching the book correctly, then you are a false apostle. No matter how nice or soft toned or good vernacular that you have, you're going to be somebody with a good vernacular going to hell. That's what you're going to be. So we're going to try the spirits. Money. Just because somebody have finances or they drive the Rolls Royce doesn't mean that they're following the most high. A lot of our people will look at that and say, oh, he got a Rolls Royce. He must be with God. And it's completely wrong. It's completely wrong. But that's how slaves think. Because somebody have finances, they must be doing the right thing for God. And it's quite the opposite. Let us show you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14. New Testament, brothers and sisters. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Read that again, brother. Verse 14. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. See? So Satan is actually going to come as your God. He's going to come as your light. Because he can't come in his regular form or you would be apprehensive. That would give you what? Cause to pause. So he must come as something good. That's the only way. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 14. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers are, are also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. So the ministers of Satan would be transformed or transcend themselves into light bearers now. 
Now they're the ones giving out the light. If Satan would come as your angel of light, those who would work for him would come that same direction, brothers and sisters. That's why we got to try every spirit. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I say again, let no man think me a fool. All right. Let's uh, thank you, brother. Let's go to Matthew 24, verse 5. Gospel. The true gospel, not that self-empowerment garbage. I don't deal with that. Let's go to Matthew 24 and 5. Matthew 24, verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Many shall come in Christ's name, claiming to be shepherds or teachers or Christians in Christ's name. And the bulk of the deception would be coming from that particular institution. Evil is emanating from the Christian church right now. I mean, you would be ill-advised to trust a man because he's standing on the pulpit. That would be ill-advised because everybody didn't get there from doing the right thing because Satan have ministers. See? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Right. Many shall come in Christ's name, saying they're Christians. The Catholics, the Christians. There's what? 20 different denominations of Christian church. None of them can agree on anything. That lets you know that's confusion. And we know 1 Corinthians says the Most High is not the author of confusion. Mm -hmm. If it's confusing, that's Satan. It's easy for you to understand. It's easy, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Matthew 4. To show you. Christ battling with Satan. So we can show you the power and the the almost diabolical genius of Satan. Verse 1. Uh, yes, sir. 1 through 10, please. Matthew 4, verse 1. Then was Christ led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Right, so now he's tempting Christ. Christ is not God. That's why he can be tempted, because you can't tempt the Most High. Verse 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. For, shall, read that again. If thou, if thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest, it, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. To prove you that just because somebody can quote a scripture doesn't mean they're dealing with the Most High. Yeah. Because guess who knows scripture better than all of us? Satan knows scripture better than all of us. So just because somebody may pull a scripture out on you does not mean that now you can open your quiver. That you can now trust these people. We got to try every spirit. Read that one more time, brother. Verse six. And saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. 
Christ said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. So now it's showing you that Satan have power. Remember, the earth is given into the hand of the wicked. How could he do this? How could he show Christ these things? Continue, brother. Verse 9. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou shalt fall down and worship me. To prove you that Satan wants to be worshipped. See? Satan wants to be worshipped. And he noticed that he said he would give Christ worldly possessions and riches if he worshipped him. To prove to you that just because somebody has something, don't mean they got it from the Most High. Because Satan will give it to you for your soul. He'll give you anything you want for your soul. Because he know how important your soul is. See? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 9. And saith unto him, all these, all these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Christ unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Right, so Satan was propositioning Christ to compromise. That's what was going on here. The same way these pastors have compromised. And we're going to show you how they have compromised and how to prove that they are ministers of Satan. Clearly. We're going to give you the, we're going to give you the proof and the scriptures, brothers and sisters. Go to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, brother. Because if anybody could have been rich, it would have been Christ. So for pastors to say that, you know, God wants you to be rich or he wants them to be rich. That's why they have so much money. If Christ, if anybody could have made money, it could have been Christ. And Christ didn't have a place to lay his head. So that's not the way to go. Are we saying that it's a sin to be wealthy? No, we're not saying that. But that is not going to be your focus. And the majority of the people that's going to have the wealth are not going to be doing the right thing. Because they don't give it out to people who are going to do the right thing with it. That's how it works. <laughs> Continue, brother. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For ye know the grace of our, our Lord Christ, that through he was rich, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye, that ye through his poverty might be rich. See? So Christ became poor for us. To show you that just because you don't have money or finances or a big fancy car or home doesn't mean that the Most High is not with you. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Now we're going to go into some proof of why these churches are teaching what they're teaching and why they aren't teaching the things that the Most High say they're going to teach. Now, a lot of these churches, which you'll find out, are 501c3 status. That's a government status of tax exemption. That's what that is. And we actually went right onto the IRS website. We want to show you that a lot of these mega churches, in order for them to keep all the money they make without being audited or having to pay tax on it, is to sign this contract. But this is a contract with Satan. These mega churches, these churches where they got 20 of them across the country, these churches have signed their life away to Satan. And we're going to show you that when you sign this, though you get to keep all the money that you receive tax free, they control your doctrine. We're going to show you. Uh, go ahead and read that, brother. Can you read the title of that? 
IRS exemption requirements, 501c3 organizations. To be tax exempt under section 501c3, an organization may not attempt to influence legislation as a substantial part of its activities. Read that again. I'll start from the top. To be tax exempt under section 501c3, an organization may not attempt to influence legislation as a substantial part of its activity. Right. So if you sign this, you can't speak on legislation. You can't speak on what's what's if it's lawful, you can't speak on it. If homosexuality is lawful, you can't teach that it's a sin. You can't teach against vaccines. You can't teach against abortions. And if you do read that one more time, brother, an organization may not attempt to influence legislation as a substantial part of its activities, and it may not participate in any campaign activity for or against political candidates. See? So now you can't even express to your flock or your people, listen, don't vote. You can't even tell them not to vote. If you do any of that, they're going to come after you financially. See? So if you accept this money, you want the money, correct? What? Satan's told he'd give Christ everything. He'll give you the kingdoms. He'll give you the riches. These churches took that. These churches took that same deal from Satan. Now they keep 100% of the money that comes in on tithes and offering. They keep that. None of that goes to Uncle Sam. None of it. That's why the churches are the way they are. That's why they're mega churches. When we were young, there was what? There was three little churches Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the whole county. Now look at it. Everybody wants Walmart. They want the new church. They're taking credit cards up in there. You can pay your uh, tithes on a credit card now up in some of these places, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Organizations described in Section 501c3 are commonly referred to as charitable organizations. Read that again, brother. Organizations described in Section 501c3 are commonly referred to as charitable organizations. See, so now you're not even, a, you're, you're, you're a charity now, you see? You're not a church anymore. You're incorporated now. So now this is a charity, a non-profit, and we know that the people who are running the non-profits have the most money. <laughs> That's how it works. This is how their legislation works. Look how they set this up. This was meticulous. It's a gag order. It's hush money. Look, you can keep the money, don't teach against anything we say is legal. Don't teach about any of it. This is why they don't talk about homosexuality in the church. When the last time you heard it? Never. See? This is why they don't talk about the mark of the beast. This is why they don't warn you about the vaccinations because they literally cannot unless they want to be thrown in jail. Once you sign this binding contract, you are responsible. And I don't know if these pastors read their entire contract because if they did, they wouldn't have signed it. You better read your 501c3 again. Pastors, if you stumble upon this, realize what you've done. Ask the Most High to forgive you. Correct your flock. Continue, brother. The organization must not be organized or operated for the benefit of private interest. Look at this. Now you can't even have private interest. That means if it's not private, it's what they tell you your interests are. See? Church is the most private place. It's where you're dealing strictly with what God said. Now you don't have that. You have now lost your right, your freedom of religion now. You've lost that now for some money. Look, this is why they don't teach against Christmas. Why? You know how much money the government making off Christmas? They're not allowed to teach against it. 
Read that one more time, brother. <clears throat> the organization must not be organized or operated for the benefit of private interests. Section 501c3 organizations are restricted in how much political and legislative lobbying activities they may conduct. See? So now they can't even speak on who you should vote for or not voting or certain laws, bills that's going to be passed. Okay, if we get a certain amount of votes, abortion is going to be legal for 16-year-olds. See, you can't even tell them that they can't do that now. You can't tell your flock that. You can't speak on it at all. And that's why we weren't growing in the churches. This is why it seemed like it was the same story, the same spill every week. Every Sunday you could go there and not miss anything. You can miss a whole month and not have missed anything because it's the same game. They sing a bunch of songs, start speaking in an unknown tongue, running around. It's now a fashion show. You got sisters in there with their cleavage pushed up to their chin. <laughs> this is what's going on. Hats so big. You Now it's not a, it's not a place where you get prayer from. Church was strictly a place for you to get prayer, healing, understanding. It's not that any longer, brothers and sisters. It's a money-making marathon. That's what this is. Let's go to the next page, brother. Uh, yes, sir, if you don't mind. The restriction of political campaign intervention by Section 501c3 tax-exempt organizations. Under the Internal Revenue Code, all Section 501c3 organizations are absolutely prohibited from directly or indirectly participating in or intervening in any political campaign on behalf of any candidate for elective public office. See, look at this. So there could be somebody that's trying to make homosexuality legal. Like that happened, right? And you can't even speak on that. You can't even tell them. There may be somebody trying to pass a law to say men should be able to use women's bathroom, depending on how he feels that day. And you can't tell your church to beware. You can't. This is a gag order. This is hush money. Shh. We'll pay you. Just be quiet. Don't tell nobody. See? Read that one more time, brother. Under the Internal Revenue Code, all Section 501c3 organizations are absolutely prohibited from directly or indirectly participating in or in intervening in any political campaign on behalf of any candidate for elective public office. Contributions to political campaign funds or public statements of, of position made on behalf of the organization in favor of or in opposition to any candidate for public office clearly violate the prohibition against Political campaign activity. See, so it's pro it's prohibited for you to even speak on who is a good candidate. You can't even speak on that. See? So now you don't have the freedom to say what you want to say in your own church or what you think is your church. See? Look at that. Look at how the government is controlling the church. These are the things we need to know. We need to know about vaccines. We need to know about abortions. We need to know about homosexuality and the marriages. We need to know. About what it's doing to the community. Why? Because they have incentivized a contract that would be profitable for the church financially. That's what they did. So we'll control the doctrine. You keep the money. Because they know it's something worth more than money. And that's your soul. This is why. Continue, brother. Violating this prohibition may result in denial or revocation well, revocation of tax-exempt status and the imposition of certain excise taxes. See? 
So now they revoked the, 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 the status, and now you're responsible for all that money you got tax-free for the last three years or however long you've been receiving it. See? So if you go against this, be ready to be thrown in prison or be living on the street. Read that one more time, brother. Violating this prohibition may result in denial or revocation of tax-exempt status and the imposition of certain excise taxes. Certain activities or expenditures may not be prohibited depending on the facts and circumstances. So so there's certain things that they won't prohibit. It's going to go into detail on what those things they will not have a problem with. In addition, other activities intended to encourage people to participate in the electoral process. Read that again. In addition, other activities intended to encourage people to participate in the electoral process, such as voters registration and get out the vote drives, would not be prohibited political would not be prohibited political campaign activities. See? So if you're telling people you should go vote, get out and vote. Vote drive, start signing people up. None of that's illegal though. <laughs> See? As long as you push people to follow the government, everything's fine. So we wanted to just go in and show you directly from the IRS website that these churches are 501c3 status. And through that, they're being controlled by Satan. Because why? Because Christ said, go to Matthew 22 and 21. Let us show you what Christ said. Let us show you what Christ said. Matthew 22, verse 21. Matthew 22, verse 21. They say unto him, Caesar's. Then said he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. See, so render unto Caesar what Caesar's. See, so you didn't want to pay Caesar his tax money. Now you worship Satan. Give Caesar what's his. That's what he's saying. Because if you don't give it to him, this is what comes with it. See? Give Caesar what's his. Whose money? Whose face is on the money? That's what he's saying. Because they don't want to give Caesar what's Caesar's. They will now worship Satan and lead everybody else to also. See? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 21. They say unto him, Caesar's. Then said he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. See? So give the money up. Give the money up and do it straight up. Because if you don't, you're compromising with Satan. Now you're compromising. And Satan is smarter than we will ever be. See how he set this thing up? This is a gag order. This is hush money. From your churches. See? So no, we're not going to tell you who you are. We're not going to tell you don't eat pork. We're not going to tell you none of that. This is why they can't even tell you don't eat pork. They can't even tell you that. This is this this thing have become commercialized to some extent. The the Christian church is not even you know what I mean? It's 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 agreeable with everything. Everybody can accept it. Everybody can agree with it. It's popular. Christ's doctrine was not popular. It was controversial. Christianity's not even controversial. Anything you want to do, you can do it. Anything. There's not one thing that they would tell you don't do that would have a sinner be like, whoa, what? What do you mean? They can eat pork. They can go out on Saturdays. They can celebrate holidays. All the things that the Most High said don't do. 
which would have people apprehensive against you, you can do within their confines. There's evil emanating from the Christian church, the institution of Christianity, this new Christianity that's controlled through government. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 21. They say unto him, Caesar's. Then said he unto them, Render, render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. See, so give Caesar what's his, because if you don't, you sell your soul, which is what you're going to do. It's going to be a it's going to be a fiery path for you. Don't allow money to take you to hell. If you only knew what happened in these churches after a Sunday service, they take that money. I know because I used to make music and work at clubs. At the end of the night, all the money that they have received from door and all of that gets divvied up amongst the workers. That's how it works behind those doors. Okay, make sure the assistant pastor get a thousand. Make sure the head pastor get ten thousand. Make sure the ushers get a hundred apiece. This is exactly what goes on. Soon as the service is over, you wouldn't even know. It would disgust you. It's like a club. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's a money grab. That's what this is. Let's teach them nothing but just keep taking their money. If you need if you need faith, you you need a healing. You need to sow a seed. You're offering. Your tithe is connected to your healing. Isn't that what we hear here? See? So what? If I if I don't have any money, I can't be healed now? Wow. Thanks a lot. I can't even be healed now. I'm broken. <laughs> See? This is what they're doing. They're causing our people to chase after money and to think that something may be wrong. Therefore, you'll get the mark of the beast because you think that wealth is being blessed by God. They they meticulously meticulously did this hundreds of years ago. They've been instituting this, and now we're just starting to wake up and pull away from these churches. I know a sister that said she was on a payment plan with the church, so when her family tried to send her money, the money would go directly to the church, and they would divvy it out. What? This sister was on a payment plan. The older sister, and her over over fifty years old. Robbing her blind. Family couldn't even help her out. Church, when they don't see some money from you, and they're used to getting your tithes, which means 10% of every check, right? Oh, ho, oh, Brother Corey, hold on. We ain't seen no check from him in about two months. Let's let's uh, send him a letter make sure he's doing okay. Your health okay, brother? Everything good? Because we, we noticed that your seed was a little behind. <laughs> it's what they do. It makes sense, right? Because why should you have to write your name mm-hmm. on something that you're offering to the Most High God? Why are you trying to track that? If I want to give you something, I don't need to put my name on it. Mm-hmm. So what is that about? And they'll tell you don't follow the law except for that one. Because my thing is, if you tell me I can eat pork because that's Old Testament, then when you pass that plate around, I'm going to say, that's Old Testament, brother. <laughs> I'm under grace, brother. I'm under grace from the tithes. Because they know that tithe is only written up in the law. It's only in the Old Testament. But this is what they'll do. The thieves. Let's go to Amos 8 and 11. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Amos 8, verse 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, 
but of hearing the words of the Lord. So there will be a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Why are they not hearing it? Because it's not being taught. Why is it not being taught? Because they're being paid off. They can't teach it. If it's not being taught, you can't hear it. This is why. But somehow the Most High still made a way for all of you brothers and sisters to come to the understanding somehow. Somehow, some way. It may not even have been through this church. But if you're listening to this, then you, you have the understanding. You have the understanding. This you cannot find in these religious institutions. They're being paid off by the man. Check this out, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Verse 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Right, see? So they won't tell you that homosexuality is wrong. They won't tell you that eating pork is wrong. They tell you everything you can do. Listen, I need to know what I can't do because you don't get in trouble for things you can do. I need you to tell me what I'm not allowed to do. Therefore, I can be blessed. You just pay your tithes. Go ahead and eat that pork. That's fine. Pork chops, all that. Crustaceans, all that. Just make sure that tithe is here. See? That brother said, you won't go to hell if you pay your tithes. He just flat out just said, right? you don't have to follow no laws. Just get the tithes up. You'll be all right, brother. Okay? And see, that's what people want to hear. There's some people who actually want to hear that. That makes them feel good. Therefore, they can go sin now. Mm -hmm. That's all they needed to hear. They was looking for a reason to be able to get away with it anyway. And then you come with this. Then you come. See? Those same pastors. I had a pastor tell me to my face. A a real pastor who was over a flock. That there's too many laws to follow. He really said that. You can't keep all those laws. (laughs) Like, I'm like, brother, I'm pretty sure that you probably can't. But the fact that it's coming from a pastor telling you that, that's an issue. Because I don't ever, I don't think when the police pull you over, you'd be like, oh, that's a lot of law. I can't follow all these laws, man. I can't follow all these laws. I don't think you're doing that, are you? See? So we pick and choose. This is what's going on. This is what's going on in the church. They have enabled the world to be consumed by evil. This is what they've done. They're culpable. They are culpable. They're not going to escape the wrath of the Most High God. And we're here to prophesy against those teachers because that's what the Most High commanded us to do in His Word. We're going to show you. Let's go to Matthew 5 and 19. The Gospel, brothers and sisters. Matthew 5, verse 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. See, so not only are they not following the laws, but they tell you you don't need to follow it either. See, you could at least keep it to yourself and just not follow it. But no, you want to spread that people shouldn't follow it. That's what you're doing. You can go right there and ask a pastor. Blindly, it says in Leviticus not to eat swine. And then they'll go to another scripture <laughs> to try to fandangle what the Most High said earlier. Who does that? Who uses scripture to say something's okay? To say your behavior's right? You only go to scripture to, <laughs> to enable your behavior. Who uses the Bible like that? Only Christians. Only Christians. 
Read that one more time, brother. Verse 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. See, so if you're telling people it's okay to go to church on Sunday, well, we change the day to, from Saturday to Sunday to Wednesday or whatever day that they claim and that they changed it to, you're going to be the least in heaven. Because you don't have that right to tell the Most High's children what to, what the Most High said to follow is corruptible. Everything that the Most High said do, we're supposed to do. And don't let any man, whether how big his house is, or how many cars he have, or how much money is in his bank account, pull you away from the Most High God. Because you're going to be responsible. You're not going to be able to say, oh, well, Creflo Dollar said, Most High, like, who? I don't even know him. So why are you doing that? You just got to make sure, we just got to make sure we get it together. And don't allow anybody to deviate you off of the Bible. If they can't prove it through Scripture, if we can't prove it through Scripture, then shun it. You must shun it. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 11 and 13. Street hustlers in the pulpit. They have now taken that hustler's mentality from the streets and now taking it into the church. Because why? In the church, it's you're easy to be deceived because that's the last place you just you think you will be deceived. That's when your guard's down. See? And that's the perfect place to come. When your guard's down, it's an uppercut. That's how Satan works. You're not looking to be deceived when you're going to learn about God. That's where it's at. Read that uh, read thirteen, brother. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13. <clears throat> For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Right, so those who teach people to break the Most High's law are what? Read that again, brother. Verse 13. For such are false apostles, de deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. See, so this is a payday. That's all this is to them. They're just looking for money. Not looking to lead you or... Help you get an understanding. They're looking to fatten their bank account. They're looking to pay their cell phone bill. They're looking to go to the Bahamas next month on your dollar. Mm -hmm. Your pastor got two Rolls Royces of Bentley and you on the bus. You don't even know how you're going to get to service. This is what's going on. Greedy dogs, the Bible calls them. Greedy. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 10. Because we got a question for you, pastors. Why you don't bring this scripture out? When you're talking about things not to do. When you're talking about tithes. Right? When you're bringing up all these things, why, why isn't this one of the scriptures that come up? This is blatantly in the Bible. You can't tell me some of these learned men with diplomas don't know that this is in the Bible. Why are they not talking about this? Because they can't financially. Uh, let's let's read, brother. Verse one. Uh, verse two. Jeremiah ten, verse two. Thus saith the Lord: Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. This is your Christmas tree, brothers and sisters. Follow not the way of the heathen. The heathen would cut a tree down 
put ornaments on it and rise it up in this house. That's a heathenistic custom. Why can't they teach you about this in church? They've signed the contract. And they will be held responsible financially if they even told you that it, you couldn't do this. Up until I, I believe it was maybe the 1850s, Christmas was illegal in the United States. I don't know if people know this. It was actually illegal. Read that again, brother. Verse 4. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is it in them to do good. Right, so don't be afraid of the Christmas tree. Why? Because what happens when you reject it? People start attacking you. So don't be afraid to reject it because you're going to be attacked. That's what he's saying. Don't fear what's going to come with that tree. Why don't they teach this in the church? You're receiving my money and you have a responsibility. It doesn't, we don't, we're not, the Most High is not concerned with if you knew or not. You had a responsibility to know. Once you get on that seat, brothers and sisters, if you sit on that past the seat, that's the highest seat you could sit on. So you better be ready to take responsibility and full accountability for whatever comes out of your mouth. That's it. Or don't sit in that seat. Some people can't take the temptation. The money's there to be had. All I got to do is, you know, do what the government is saying. That's all I got to do. Just imagine the responsibility of our pastors, of the flock, the, sh the sheep. It's our responsibility, too, to try the spirits. But those pastors are going to be held to a higher degree because they're they robbing God's people. They're robbing God's people. Let's go to Matthew 6 and 24. <clears throat> Matthew 6, verse 24. No man can serve two, two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon breaks down to money when you look that up. It's money. You can't serve the most high and serve money. See? And that's what these pastors are doing. They're receiving the money from tithes and offering without paying taxes on it. They're not rendering under Caesar what Caesar's. And for that, they don't have the religious freedom. They can't tell you specific things. These are street hustlers in the pulpit. That's what this is. These people don't believe in the Bible. They believe in whatever is going to get them money. If it wasn't the Bible they were slinging, they'd be slinging something else. Coke, drugs, something else. Pimping. These brothers didn't pick this up from the church. This was a spirit that they had before they came into the truth. And maybe only, I don't know for a fact, but maybe only came into the truth because they saw that it was lucrative. There was untapped resources right there just waiting to be had. See? This is how they do. Let's go to uh, 1 Timothy 6 and 10. New Testament, brothers and sisters. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Read that again. 
For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. See? The love of money is the root of all evil. While you chasing that, you've actually erred from the truth. The money led you off of the path. And when you wake up, it's time to pay the piper while you were chasing money. Because you don't know when that day the Most High going to call your number, call you home. So you may want to be respectful of your life and spend it the right way. Don't serve Satan over money. That's what have happened to this world. We're not keeping any laws because they told us we don't need to keep any laws. And look at what have transpired throughout our communities. Look, this is what happens when you don't have to follow any laws. This is what happens, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Micah chapter 3. Old Testament, brothers and sisters. We're going to read Micah 3 and 10. Micah 3, verse 10. They, they built up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. They've built up God's people with sin. That's what this is saying. Continue. Verse 11. The heads thereof judge for reward. Read that again. Verse 11. The heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire. See, these are hirelings. They judge for money. The, as good as the sermon is, the more money they get. This is what they're doing. It's just like a, you going to a job, punching a clock. Clock in, clock out. This is what they're doing. Teach you what's most acceptable or what's, what's easy for you to accept. Therefore, if you're comfortable, you'll spend more money. I'll say whatever I need to say as long as I can slide that wallet out your pocket. I'll say anything. See? Read it one more time, brother. Verse 11. The heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire, and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? See? So they would divine for money. They would be telling you, Oh, I I saw a dream about you, or the most high told me he had something for you. This is what they're doing. They're teaching for money. They're highlands. They don't care about the sheep. They care about the finances that come with the sheep. That's what they care about. When we were people and the disciples were taking tithes and money was being doled out, money was distributed equally to each home to make sure they were sustained. Are the churches doing that? No. Are they taking the money and saying, okay, sister, I know your son it needs help trying to get an apartment. We're going to give you $1,000 for a down payment. Are they doing that? No. Can you go there when you need anything? Other than a meal, probably, which is going to be pork. Got a meal for you right here. Come on downstairs and eat this ham sandwich. Got something for you. See? Can you go there when your car break down and your exhaust is messed up and you need $400? See? We got to try every spirit, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Verse 11. The heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire. And the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. And while they're dealing with this euphoria of making a, a, a demonstration on these stages on every Sunday, 
they feel like, you know, while they're in the euphoria of receiving your money, nothing can ever happen to them. Don't you see Christ in this building? Look at how many people in here. Christ got to be in here. See? The Most High going to judge him. The Most High going to judge him. Let's move forward. Let's go to Isaiah 56. Because we wanted to show you that they're, they're teachers for hire. They're doing this for the money. They're doing this for the money, brothers and sisters. And we need to wake up. Take these scriptures to your pastor. If you, you got a pastor and he's stealing, you take him these scriptures and say, Pastor, you need to repent. We love you. We'll forgive you. But you got to stop. They should not be able to operate in these communities. They shouldn't. It's highway robbery. That's what it is. Let's read verse 10 through 12. Isaiah 56, verse 10. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. See, the pastors are blind. They're ignorant. If you want to, believe, if you want to prove that they're blind, ask them to break down revelations. And they'll show you. <laughs> they're blind. <laughs> read that again, brother. Isaiah 56, verse 10. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They're all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. See, they sleep. They can't tell you about prophecy, about earthquakes and wars. They can't tell you about none of that. They love to be sleep. That's what it says. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 10. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yeah, they are greedy dogs. Which can never have enough. You would think these millionaires have enough already. They can never have enough. It's an insatiable appetite. Verse 11. Yeah, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way. Every one for his gain from his quarter. See, they're only worried about their house. They're not worried about how your phone bill can't be paid. They're looking at you like, yeah. That's how my car note getting paid this month. Right there. She's sitting right there. Right there in the front row. That's how I get my trip to Cancun this week. <laughs> yep. She right there. This is, this is how they're looking. They see dollar signs when they stand up on that pulpit and just look out. That's all they're seeing. And they're making eye contact with the ones in the front row. Why? Because those are the ones that's giving up the thousands of dollars every paycheck. Those ones. That's who they're really aiming after. If you want to stay out of hell, pay your tithes. That's what they say. It's simple. You don't got to follow laws. Don't worry about that. You don't got to follow holy days. Understand there's four sets of laws. You have moral law. You have dietary law. You have civil law. You have ceremonial law. So you don't need to follow none of that. You just give me your money. Look at this. That, that have to be... You have to understand something's not right with that. Your heart should just... Even though, you you know, a lot of Christians don't know the Bible. Something about that should tell you that it's not right. right. People are not just dumb. They're in a spirit. They're in a trance. They're sipping that wine. They can't teach you about prophecy. They can't teach you about the judgment of America. They can't teach you about vaccinations. Why? Because that's not profitable. That's not fruitful. That's not going to bring me money. See? Uh, continue, brother. Verse 12. Come ye, say they, I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. Yeah, let's just party. Let's just throw a party. 
See, they're not preparing you for what's to come, for the prophecy, for anything, for the mark of the beast. It's not about that. It's all about love, brother. You know Jesus love you, right, brother? That's all it's about. And then when you go outside, it's a dude gets shot on the street right in front of you. There's no love going on outside, but for some reason, that's all they talk about in the Christian church. That's all they talk about. It's just love, brother. Just love. Like, what? Open your eyes. Do you see what's going on? Mass shootings, wars, rumors of wars, vaccinations. They can't tell you about none of that. It's just love, brother. Just love. Just love, brother. This is what they give you. This is what they give you. Let's go to Ezekiel 34 and 2 to show you why we are prophesying against these pastors. We're going to call these pastors to the carpet today. The scriptures are calling them to the carpet today. Ezekiel 34 verse 2. Ezekiel 34 verse 2. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Read that again, brother. Verse 2. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? See, they feeding themselves. They living high off the hall. They don't care about us. See, so the Most High told us to prophesy against these pastors. That's why we're doing it. Because people are being, uh, not just Israel, all people are being shook down by the church. Being bullied into giving up what they don't even have. We got to wake them up and show them the agenda. There's a sinister agenda going on in the background that brothers and sisters aren't aware of. So we want to highlight those things. That's what we want to do. Let's go to Jeremiah 32 and 1. Jeremiah 32 verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Excuse me, 23 and 1. I'm sorry. Jeremiah 23 verse 1. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Woe. Saith the Lord. Woe. That's destruction. Be to those pastors that scatter his flock. His flock are the people who are trying to follow the most high. That's who his flock is. This is why people have put the Bible down thinking that the Bible has something to do with Christianity. And they have nothing to do with each other. They have nothing to do with each other. But people realize it's a scam. I used to grow up and hear celebrities and people who are more affluent say that church was a scam. And I never understood it. I'm like, what are they talking about? And now I see the Bible is real. But religion is a scam. It's a money-making business. That's what it is. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 1. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Said the Lord. Now, how do they scatter the sheep? They tell you don't have to follow the law. You're under grace. Let us show you some of the scriptures they use to tell you you don't have to follow the law. Pork, that's Old Testament. You don't got to worry about that. Oh, being baptized? Well, if you want to. They never have a firm standing on anything. On anything. 
Oh, going to church on Sunday? Oh, yeah, well, we know it was like that in the Old Testament, but, you know, he rose on a Sunday. Here they go. They just keep going. It's never just a yes or no. Let us show you. Romans 6 and 14. Examine this, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you the scriptures that they use. Romans 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. See, they'll go right there. You're not, we're not under the law, brother. We're not under the law, sister. We're under grace. This is exactly where they're going to go. Under grace from what? There must be a law in place for you to have grace from it. See? So we're going to go into some of that grace. Because grace don't mean break the most high's law on purpose. That's not what that means. When you are late on a bill, you have a grace period. Uh, I can't pay my water bill right now. So they give you a grace period of two weeks. Now, if you continue not to pay that bill, your water is going to be cut off. So you have grace to get it right and not be punished immediately. We're going to show you what that grace is. That grace doesn't mean you don't have to follow the law. That's not what grace is. Christians have a misrepresentation or misunderstanding of what this scripture means. Read it again, brother. Verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Right. See, this is the scripture they'll use. You're, you're under, we're under grace, brother. We're under grace. We don't have to follow the law. Let's go to Galatians 3 to shed some light. Because Christians are famous for just quoting one scripture. And then they use that same scripture for about 25 different topics too. And usually it's Paul's writings too, the epistles, because the epistles are hard to be understood by the unlearned. Galatians 3, verse 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ. See, the law was the schoolmaster, Moses. So if you're following Christ, you must have learned the law, the schoolmaster. You, you're not following Christ. If you're not following the law, this is what this is saying. The law leads you to Christ. Read it again, brother. Verse 24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ, that we might be justified by faith. See? So if you're not following the law, you're not following Christ. You're not following Christ. Because the law, which is the Old Testament, the books of Moses, is what brought you to Christ. Because why? If Christ came to do away with the law, then he went, He came to do away with himself because he was written in the law. So if he came to do away with the law, then he just wrote himself out of history. This, this is what they'll use. This is what they'll use. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is the scriptures they'll use. We're going to shed some light on it, brothers and sisters, because this is what street hustlers in the pulpit do. They manipulate words. They're smooth talkers. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 4. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit. Read that again. Verse 6. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. See, we're not under the letter of the law, brother. We're in the Spirit of Christ. This is what they use. Read that scripture one more time, brother. 
Verse 6, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. See, so the law, the, the letter of the law kills. We don't follow that no more, brothers and sisters. We follow in the Spirit of Christ, which is do whatever you want to do. See? We're going to show you truly what it is when it says the Spirit of the law. Because one thing that a lot of Christians don't understand is that the Old Testament law wasn't finished. Christ perfected that law. When you go to school at five years old, you don't get a high school diploma. See? So you didn't graduate as soon as you got it. You had to build up and continue to learn. Christ perfected the law. If you don't know the law, then you're not dealing with Christ. Because first you need to know the law. Then once you know the law, Christ show you the liberty you have in the law. See, that's what the spirit of the law of the law is. It's the liberty that you have within the law. We're going to show you. They'll tell you Christ broke uh, broke, broke uh, the Most High's laws. That's what that's what the Pharisees would tell you. That Christ actually did away with the law. He was doing whatever he wanted to do. And we're going to show you that that's not true. Christ showed you the liberty, which means when certain things happen or transpired, they couldn't come kill you right away. That's what he did away with. The penalty to some degree. He didn't do away with the law. He just took away and gave you grace. So if you broke a law, that you had grace to get it right. That's what grace is. We're going to show you, brothers and sisters. Let's go to John chapter 8, verse 1. Let us show you the spirit of the law. This is what Christ means. Examine this, brothers and sisters. This is the spirit of the law. John 8, verse 1. Christ went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they so, so they had a sister who was caught in adultery. They brought her before Christ, the Pharisees. Verse four. They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. Read that again. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what saith thou? This they said, tempting him. That they might have to accuse him. But Christ stooped down. And with his finger wrote on the ground. As though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him. He lifted up himself. And said unto them. He that is without sin among you. Let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down. And wrote on the ground. And they which heard it. Being convicted by their own conscience. Went out one by one. Beginning at the eldest. Even unto the last. And Christ was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Christ had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Verse 11, she said, No man, Lord. And Christ said unto her, and neither, what did he do, say? neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. See, so she should have been punished. He did judge her. He had grace. See, grace is a part of judgment also. See, that's the part that Christ came to show you. Not that she should continue to be an adulteress. Because he said, sin no more. To let you know that he was having mercy. That's the spirit of the law. That's what it is. 
So just because somebody was taken in a sin that they should be punished for immediately, they will be punished, but you don't have to bring the punishment. See? That's what the spirit of the law is. He's not saying, okay, now you can go be an adulterer. He had grace on her and said, sin no more to let you know that he recognized she sinned. Read that part again, brother. Verse 11. She said, no man, Lord. And Christ said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. See, so you have to learn the law first in order to learn the liberty within the law. So you can't just go strictly to the liberty. Oh, yeah, I got grace from this, that, and the third. No. You have to learn the law first. Then you learn what your grace is. But you must know the law first. That's what the spirit of the law is. We have another example. Luke 14 and 1. Because Christ perfected the law. Remember, Moses didn't even make it into the kingdom. So I don't understand how brothers going to follow Moses and think they're going to get in the kingdom. And he didn't get in the kingdom. How does that work? Christ perfected the law, brothers and sisters. Luke 14, verse 1. And it came to pass, as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. He had an ailment. Verse 3. And Christ answering spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace. And he took him and healed him and let him go. And answered them, saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out of the Sabbath day? See, so you're not supposed to be working on the Sabbath. But he healed somebody on the Sabbath. And he asked, If you had an ox, you had an animal... That made you money fell into a ditch on the Sabbath. Would you save it? Of course they would. They probably do it all the time. That's what he's saying. So it's good to do right on the Sabbath. That's what this is saying. Some may view it as work. But it's good to do right on the Sabbath. That's your liberty. That's what he came to show you. The liberty in the law. Read that again brother. Verse 5. And answered them saying. Which of you shall have an axe or ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to these things. See, so Christ, once again, he's showing you what the liberty in the law. He's not saying that now you should go work on the Sabbath. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you're using it to build him, his kingdom, that's right. That's glorious. That's your grace. That's the spirit of the law, not the letter. The letter means if you are homosexual, you need to die. That's the letter. That's why it says the letter killer. Because why? There was a death connected to broken laws. That's why it says that. Not that it's bad for you. All right, let's let's actually go to Luke 6. Let's read Luke 6 and 6 through 11. Luke chapter 6, verse 6 through 11. Because why? We're showing you. The liberty in the law was showing you the spirit of the law. So they can't trick you to have you believe that Christ was breaking the law. He came to give you the liberty, the understanding to be able to function. See, and a lot of people don't stick here. They, they find out the law, especially Israelites, and then they start judging people on every little thing. Well, why is your hair not right? Well, why you don't got a beard? Well, why you ain't doing this? And they don't understand the grace that you have. They don't understand Christ. 
They sticking strictly with the letter of the law because that's easy. Do's and don'ts. That's easy. But when do you need to have mercy? When do you need to have grace? When do you need to have understanding? See? Let's read verse 6, brother. Luke 6, verse 6. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. See, and that's how people be. They watching him. They like, he better not heal him either. We're going to watch him all day. We're not even going to look away. We just want to make sure he don't, make sure he don't heal. See? Look at these, look at these, look at these Israelites. These Israelites here. Continue, brother. Verse 8. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Christ unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good Read or to again. do evil? Verse 9. Then said Christ unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored whole as the other. See, so it's good. It's right to do good on the Sabbath. See? Somebody may, somebody may see you out at a store, maybe, on the Sabbath. They can't then come and say, bro, it's the Sabbath. What you doing at the store? You could be cooking food for somebody who's sick. See? That would be your grace right there. My mom's sick. She just had her tonsils taken out. I'm cooking her some soup, brother. Okay? Now, ease up off me. Okay? Because you don't know the grace that I'm dealing with. And that's why we can't be judging, brothers and sisters, from what we think. We judge them on the laws we think they should follow. <laughs> That's how we do. Uh, read that scripture one more time, brother. Verse 10. And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Christ. Look at this. They are mad that Christ is healing people. Why? Man, that could have been some of our money. We could have got that from healing. Christ was healing people for free. See? This is just like the pastors. Now. See? This is what's going on. They profit for money. It's like punching the clock, brothers and sisters. See? Let's go to... Let's go to Matthew 12 and 5. Because we're just showing you what the spirit of the law is. So they can't use that on you no more. Matthew 12 verse 5. Or have ye not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temples profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Right. See, so the priests teach every Sabbath. Are, is that wrong? So now we can't even teach on the Sabbath. See? See? And we know that the priest is not wrong for teaching on the Sabbath because that's what they're supposed to do. That's the that's the grace. See? That's what the letter don't show you. A lot of people, when they first get the truth, they say, you know what? I don't even want to turn on the TV. I can't even turn the microwave on. I'm going to just stare at the corner in the wall. I'm going to stare at the wall all day long on Saturday. And I'm like, that's fine, brother. That's fine. But understand that I'm going to go cut the light on, okay? <laughs> See? 
Because they don't understand. And that's fine when you're first in it, you know. But as you continue to grow and understand the liberty of what is actually following the law and what grace is. Now you're learning, you're growing, you're maturing. Now you may be able to teach somebody. See? Because you can't teach somebody if you keep coming down on them every time they don't do something that you think they should do. Because you don't understand grace. See? So the most high not going to allow you to share anything with anybody because you still in the beginning stage. You still dealing with the schoolmaster. That's what you're dealing with, which is fine. But there's a higher level. The spirit of the law. Read that one more time, brother. Verse five. Or have ye not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests of the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you. That in this place is one greater than the temple. Right. So we just wanted to show you that the priests worked on the Sabbath. And that wasn't wrong. Because why? Christ said it's right to do good on the Sabbath. See? No matter what somebody may think you're doing. Understand your liberty, brothers and sisters. It's not to break his law on purpose. This isn't saying break the law on purpose. A Christian will look right at this and say, see? They're they doing stuff on the Sabbath. They, they, they out. They're not at home. They're at the temple. So I can go wherever I need to go. They're looking at it completely backwards. This is not telling you to go break the law. This is showing you the liberty in following the law. That's what this is showing you. Let's go to Luke 6 and 1. We're going to read 1 through 5. Luke 6 verse 1. And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. Right. So they're on the Sabbath. They're picking corn and they're getting ready to eat. Continue, brother. Verse two. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, why do you that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? Right. You can't pick no corn on the Sabbath. What you doing? <laughs> what you doing, man? What you doing out here, man? You know you're not supposed to be picking corn on the Sabbath. This is how our people are. Look. Christ can't even eat now. He can't eat. Because we got people who are being overly righteous, still dealing with the law of Moses. Not that that's wrong. But that's the beginning stage. That's first grade. That's first grade. Continue, brother. Verse 3. And Christ answering them said, Have you not read so much as this? What David did when himself was as hungered and they which were with him. Now, my question is, number one, if somebody, if I'm in a cornfield and somebody asks me what I'm doing out there, I'm going to say, what are you doing out here? <laughs> you're not supposed to be out here. What are you doing? See? So clearly they're out there doing something wrong because how do they even know what's going on? Right. What are you doing out here, brother? You're not supposed to be watching corn on the Sabbath, brother. <laughs> See? You're right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> See? That's my question. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, read, read that scripture one more time, brother. Verse 3. And Christ answered them and said, Have ye not read so much as this, what David did when himself was in hunger? And they which were with him, how he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread. Right. The showbread is a bread that's placed on the t on the altar 
It's a bread that's a sacrifice to the Most High God and is only supposed to be eaten by the priest. That's what this is. That's what this is. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 4. How he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread and gave also to them that were with him, which it is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. Right. So David, Christ is saying, listen, we just got done teaching. We hungry. We need to eat something so we can continue to teach. Is that okay? Can I have something so I can go back and continue to teach my people? Or is that not fine? He's saying, did you not know when David went into the temple? David was on the run from Saul. Saul was looking to kill him. He had his army with him. They were ready to die. There was no food. They went into the temple. They asked the priest, give us some bread. They say, we don't have any bread. We only have the consecrated bread. Which is for the most the most high's offering. And he had that. And he wasn't supposed to. So he was showing him the grace. He was showing him the grace. Why did he have grace on David? We're going to show you. Why did he have grace on David? Uh, what scripture are you on again, brother? You on four? four? Okay, read four and five one more time. Verse four. How he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread and gave also to them that were with him which it is not lawful to eat, but for the priest alone. And he said unto them, that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. See, so Christ is the Lord over the Sabbath. Let us show you. Exodus 25 and 1, to show you what what's the deal with this showbread. What is it talking about? Exodus 25 and 1. So Exodus. Christ knew the law because he went right back into the law and started speaking on what happened in the law in 1 Samuel. First Samuel is when Daniel ate the showbread. Read that story sometime. Exodus 25 verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. Ye shall take my offering. This was, the, this was part of the offering. Go to verse 30. Verse 30. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. See? Showbread before the Most High. Always. See? This was the bread. That was only for the priest. Why? Because the priest can't go out and cook and do all. They have to be at the temple. See? So this was the offering. This was the showbread that was only for the priest. Who were the priests? Levi. David was Judah. He was not allowed to eat this food. But why? He was about to die. See, that was the grace. Should he not? Should he just die? You know what? I can't pick this corn off here. It's the Sabbath. So I'm going to just die. I won't be able to teach nobody else. But because I don't want to break this, I just want to die. See? That's ignorance. That's pure foolishness. You have to evolve to that higher degree of understanding, brothers and sisters. This is not telling you to break the law on purpose. That's just not what this is. It's showing you the liberty that you have in following the law. That's what this is, brothers and sisters. Go to Leviticus 24.9. Almost done, brothers and sisters. Leviticus 24.9. This is the spirit of the law, brothers and sisters. Leviticus 24, verse 9. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place. For it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a pro perpetual statute. See, so that food, that bread was only for Aaron. Aaron was who? Moses' brother. Who was who? Levi. Exactly. See, this bread was only for Levi. But there was grace. Because why? There was an oath made to David. If David would have died, 
the Most High couldn't have kept his oath. Mm-hmm. See? So he had to live. Let us show you what the oath was. Let us show you what the oath was. Let's go to Psalms 132 and 11 to show you what the oath was. Psalms 132 and 11. Psalms 132 verse 11. The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. That the fruit of David's body would sit upon the throne. That fruit was Christ. Christ would sit on the throne through David's loins. That was an oath to David. Now if David dies, how does this oath fulfill? See? So that's where grace came in. This is the understanding you must have. This is the understanding. This is that higher level. This is that advanced learning. That's over just do this and do that. Don't do this and don't do that. There's a higher level, brothers and sisters. It's the it's the spirit of the law. This is what this is. Now, preachers don't teach this. Why? Because they're hustlers. They're pimps. Propagating in a pastor's pulpit. These aren't shepherds, brother. These are wolves in sheep's clothing. They would have you believe that any of these scriptures mean you don't need to follow law. Or they're just going to receive their money tax exempt. Not tell you about anything. Not teach you about anything. Not warn you about anything. Because, why? Because I need that money tax exempt. See? Instead of giving unto Caesar, what's Caesar's? Just pay it. Just pay it. See? Let's go to Romans 1 and 3 for that oath. This is why David had to eat the showbread. Because some people, I always hear Christians ask, well, how did David get away with eating that showbread? I don't understand. That's, that tells us that the law is done away with because he wasn't supposed to eat it and he did it. This is how they come. This is where they come. 1 and 3, brother. Romans 1 verse 3. Concerning his son, Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Read that again, brother. Verse 3. Concerning his son, Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. This is why David was allowed to eat that showbread. Because there was an oath that was fulfilled when Christ came forth, which was through the fruit of David's body. Read that one more time, brother. Just so brothers and sisters can examine that and get an understanding. Verse 3, concerning his son, Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. And verse 4. Uh, no, that's that's good, brother. We just wanted to show you that he was the seed of David, according to the flesh, which was the prophecy in Psalms fulfilled. This is why David was allowed to eat the showbread. See, that's grace. That's the spirit of the law. That's knowing your liberties. Knowing what the law is, and you're not going to break it on purpose, but you do have a liberty to get get it right. See? Christ died for you not to be able to be killed just because you broke a law. Because we caught you eating pork. Or you slipped up and ate a Slim Jim on accident. Ah, brother. Ah. Got to stone you now, brother. You should have read that. See? This is why Christ came. This is the spirit of the law, brothers and sisters. <laughs> this is the spirit of the law. Oh, man. 
Let's go to Romans 6 and 15. We've got about six more scriptures. We're going to close it out. Romans 6 and 15, brothers and sisters. Romans 6 verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are un- not under the law but, not- but under grace? God forbid. Read that again. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. So since we're under grace, does that mean that I should just break the law? I'm under grace. I don't have to follow no laws. No. Remember, he told her sin no more, the adulterous woman. See? There was grace. There was an exception. There was mercy there. Your child may be bad and they may deserve a spanking, but do you spank them every time? See? Did he say spank them every time? No, he said spare not the rod. He didn't say spank them every time. See, you must know the grace, the mercy. Because if we was all under Moses' law, we'd all be dead. Yep. All of us. Every, the whole room would be dead right now <laughs> if we was under that law. So we have to understand the grace, brothers and sisters. The liberty. That's why Christ came. This is what the teachers, the preachers should be giving you. They shouldn't be telling you, you know, stories about when they was just a child. They'll sing 20 songs and then tell you about a dream they had when they was nine. (laughs) This is what they do. This is what they do. They don't even go into scriptures. They don't go into prophecy. This is why the Most High have a feud with these these so-called pastors. These street hustlers in suits. Satan Satan knew the power of the pulpit. He knew the power of the pulpit. Let's go to Romans chapter 2, verse 13. Romans 2, verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Read that again. Verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. See? You must be a doer of the law. You can't just say, yeah, I know it's there. But this other scripture says I can eat it, though. I know it says don't do Christmas, but this other scripture says you can't judge me for it. <laughs> See? Just because you're not being judged for it don't mean there's not a judgment for it. That's the thing. The wages of sin are death. It may not be immediate, but you will die. You will die. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Right. See, when you bring the scripture to pastors or anything about the Christmas tree or Sunday or pork, they'll always have a reason why it's okay. They'll never just say, oh, yeah, you know what? I was wrong about that. I didn't know. I'm a change. They'll never say that. They'll give you an excuse every time. Go to Proverbs 12 and 1. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 in the Tanakh. In the Tanakh. Proverbs 12, verse 1. Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge. See, so if you love reproof, you love knowledge. Read that again, brother. Verse 1. Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge. But he that hateth reproof is brutish. See, so when you find out you're doing something wrong, you that, that, makes, that should make you happy. That should make you happy because now, oh, I thought I was right. I was wrong. Let me change that up. 
and see if I get blessed. Some people don't look at it like that. They're like, oh, another thing I'm doing wrong? That should make you happy. That your life is coming to nothing because you're sinning. Not because you're doing the right thing. That should actually make you happy. This whole time, I thought I was just struggling. And I thought I was doing everything right. No, I was actually wrong. That should make you feel good. That you was wrong. And that there's something better to come. That should make you feel good. That's what a wise woman, a wise man. Love reproof, love correction, love instruction. They love it. But what? What does a foolish man do? Ecclesiasticus 32 and 17. In the Apographer, brothers and sisters, Ecclesiasticus 32, verse 17. We just showed you a wise man, a wise woman loveth reproof. Ecclesiasticus 32 and 17. A sinful man will not be reproved, but findeth an excuse according to his will. See? See? Look at that. A, a foolish man will not be corrected. He have an excuse for everything. You tell him, uh, listen, the Bible say don't eat pork. He'll take you right to a scripture that he believes say he can eat pork. This is what Christians do. And then when you find out that scripture's wrong, they won't even acknowledge the fact that the scripture they went to have nothing to do with what they're talking about. They'll just go to another scripture. They won't even acknowledge it. They'll be like, oh, well, how about this one, though? What, what, what about this one, though? Read that again, brother. Verse 17. A sinful man will not be reproved, but findeth an excuse according to his will. See, so when you take to your pastor Leviticus where it says, Thou shalt not eat swine, they'll take you right to Matthew 15. Let's go there. We're going to show you. This is an excuse. This is what they do. They will never address what the Bible says. They'll have an excuse for it, just like this. Matthew 15 and 11. Let us show you. They'll take you right to this scripture. Matthew 15, verse 11. Now, Pastor, the Bible says we shouldn't eat pork. Well, hold on, young fella. Let me show you this scripture. <laughs> verse 11. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth that defileth man. See? See, brother? It's not what you eat. It's not about what you eat, brother. Christ came and done away with that. They'll take you right there. They won't even address that the Bible said do not eat it. They'll go right here. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 11. Not that which goeth into the mouth of a man... But that which cometh out of the mouth of a man that defileth the man. Now, somebody who goes into scripture with this intent to prove that something they're doing is okay, you should examine that state of mind because you're sick. Something's wrong with you. The first thing you do is try to use the Bible to say what you're doing is right. See, when they pull this scripture, I say, Pastor, I need you to go to the first. I need you to read the first two verses. That's what I need you to do. I need you to read the first two verses because... Let's get the context of what this is. You're just throwing this out there. Let's see if this is really talking about what you're saying it's talking about. Read verse 1 through 2, brother. Verse 1. Then came Christ's scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the, the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. See, so pastor, this is talking about why they're not washing their hands before they ate. So, uh... Uh, okay, so, and you can't tell me some of them don't know. Some of these brothers know, too. They just expect you not to know. Like, this has nothing to do with pork. And see, as soon as you do this, 
They'll take you to another scripture. They won't even acknowledge the fact that they were wrong. <laughs> no, pastor, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Don't, let's, let's not move anywhere else. Acknowledge you were wrong about this verse. Because if you can't acknowledge you're wrong about this, we don't need to go to any of the other scriptures. See, this is what Christians do. They won't even acknowledge that the scriptures they're pulling out have nothing to do with what they're pulling it out for. This is what they do. Read verse 8, brother. Verse 8. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, these pastors' heart is far from them. From, far from the Most High. It's just lip service. They just make it sound good for those who don't know the Bible. When you don't know anything, everything sounds right. See? This is why they don't teach you anything. This is why they don't teach you anything. Every question you have, the answer is, well, you know, God don't want you to know some things. It's like, wow, God don't want me to know anything, huh? <laughs> Everything I ask you, 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 you don't have an answer for any of that. See? That's what they do. This is what they do. They will go right to the scripture to say, <laughs> Christ said, it's not what goes into a man that defileth him. It's what comes out of him. <laughs> like, brother, why are you going to that scripture? He said, don't eat it. Why even go anywhere else? Right. See? So if your mind frame is like that, you got to beware of that person. You have to beware of that philosophy, brothers and sisters. You got to beware. Let's go to Colossians 2 and 8. We got a few more scriptures, about five minutes, brothers and sisters. Bear with me. Colossians 2 and 8. This lesson was street hustlers in the pulpit. Colossians 2 verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. After the what? The tradition of men. After the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. See? So they'll manipulate scripture. Have you believe you don't need to follow no laws. Start applying scripture that have nothing to do with the context of what they're bringing it out for. And then follow everything the government say. See? And you wonder why the world is in such bad case. And you wonder why. There's a responsibility to these pastors. If they wasn't going to be responsible or accountable, they should have never assumed the position. We don't feel sorry. You need to go to your you need to go to your flock, apologize to them, say, you know what? I I really don't know the Bible. I went to similar. I, I went to theologian school. I, I really don't know the Bible. That's what you need to go tell them. And if they love you, you tell them, I'm gonna go away for three years. I'm gonna go away for five years and go study. And I'm going to come back with the truth. They're probably going to be gone by that time. But hey, at least you got it right. Because you're deceiving people. There's a judgment for that. These street hustlers in the pulpit. Let's go to. Let's go to Revelations 22 and 14. Let's go there. Revelations. Chapter 22, verse 14. These pastors are on trial today. We're going to call these pastors to the carpet. Mm -hmm. Revelations 22, verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments. Read that again. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. See, if you want that tree of life, you have to keep the commandments. How can you be judged if there's no law? Sin? What's a sin? Everything's good. What is a sin? If there's no law, then there's no sin. 
Look at that. So now there's no such thing as sin now. <laughs> look, look how this have, look how this have just moved all the way. See? Give you enough rope, you'll hang yourself. This is what they do. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Blessed are those who keep the commandments, brothers and sisters. You want to get into heaven? It's not through tithes. It's through you keeping the commandments. That's how you get to heaven. That's how you get blessed. Let's go to Matthew 5 and 17, and then we'll end it on Romans 6 and 23. Matthew 5, verse 17. This is Christ. Because we need them to stop using Christ for the reason why they're breaking the law. When it said those who do the commandments will receive the tree of life. So stop letting pastors, pastors, stop lying on the Bible. Stop saying Christ came to do away with the law. This is Christ. Matthew 5, verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come not to destroy, but to fulfill. See, he came to fulfill, which means he came to do what was written in the law. He didn't come to do away with the law. He came to do exactly what was in the law. He was written in the law. You can't use Christ for that any longer, brothers and sisters. Christ didn't come for a ham sandwich. He didn't come for that. He didn't come for pig's feet. He didn't come for you to be able to sin on purpose. Christ is going to be angry when he comes back. It's going to be judgment. It's going to be punishment. We actually have two scriptures. Let's go to James 3 and 1 because we want to show the punishment for these pastors. And then we'll end it on Romans 6.23. James 3 verse 1. James 3, verse 1. My brethren, be, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. See, so everybody shouldn't want to be a teacher. Why? Because if you sit on that seat, you better be prepared to tell the truth. Because why? Teachers will be judged more severely, more intensely, because you have a responsibility. Read it again, brother. Verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters. Knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. See? So it's different when you don't understand the law, but you're not in the teaching position. But these preachers and teachers who are in a teaching position of authority, they're going to be held responsible. There ain't no, oh, well, they just didn't know. It was your responsibility to know. Mm-hmm. Period. Because the Most High hold dear His creation. And they're being led astray mm-hmm. by ministers of Satan. And there's going to be a judgment for that. No matter how nice you are. We're going to end it on Romans 6 and 23. Romans 6 verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. Read that again. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. See, the wages of sin is death. If there's no law, how's there sin? See? So at the end of that sin, and guess what's guess who's at the door? Satan. After you've done all that sin and he's waiting. So you may not be judged today or tomorrow, but understand you will be judged. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 23. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. We want to say bless you, brothers and sisters. Bless you. <laughs> and kwam yashallah. Kwam yashallah.